Welcome to episode 55 of Cake Watch, the podcast that is definitively not leaving the EU on the 31st of October. Um, so, um, listen, Cake Watch, as you may have noticed, is in semi-dormant mode. Um, Steve and I haven't recorded for about a month now. Um, we do want to keep it going. Um, we don't have any plans to discontinue the podcast just yet. So we're just working out what we're going to do with the podcast going forward. Uh, that involves the minimum what shall, I, what shall I call it the minimum having to look and pay attention to the awful shit show that is going on in the UK um, so there's that um, so watch, watch this space but anyway I'm back um, I'll, I'll tell you why I'm back in a minute but first the follow up um, firstly the last episode that we did a couple of weeks ago um, with Axel Anthony and um, Tanya Bultman uh, I thought it was a really good one, but it, the sound quality was appalling um, because I bought this crappy cheap mic. Anyway, I'm really sorry for those who downloaded it um, when it still had really bad sound quality. Uh, and I also wanted to thank listener Charlie Elwes, who um, quite unprompted and from the goodness of his heart took the sound file and put it through some magic mincing machine. And what we got back was a much better sound quality file. Um, so that <clears throat> that's the one that's on the server now. Um, so if, if you're thinking, well, it wasn't that bad. Well, that's because Charlie worked on it. The other thing to transpire from that particular episode is that I never check messages. So if you've tried to contact the podcast through the podcast's Twitter account or the podcast email address, yeah, um, sorry. But I'm really, really bad at checking that account, and Steve doesn't do it at all. So uh, much easier to get in touch with one of us via our own personal Twitter accounts. But apologies for that. I know it's lazy, but we're not going to change. <laughs> um, so we also got some feedback on the podcast and on some of the issues that people would like us to cover. Um, so that that's good because that gives us some ideas for the for for, for the for the future. Uh, one idea that um, somebody mentioned was um, sort of an idiot's guide to the EU <laughs> and what it is and how it works and what it's done for us all and so on. That's quite a good idea. I th- think about how we can do that. Um, <clears throat> another one uh, was that we should perhaps have a, a bit of an insider chat about the new parliament, which is, um, if we're going to do that, we should probably do that quite soon. So yeah, we might do that. Um, if I can summon up the energy to do it. Um, we also, uh, I was also asked um, by a couple of people whether we would do our take on the Tory leadership contest. And the answer mm. to that is, <laughs> fuck no, <laughs> far too depressing. Basically, there's, no, there's nothing to say. They're all idiots. They're all getting it completely wrong on Brexit, on the EU. All of them, including Rory Stewart, but especially the others. And it's just too depressing to it's just too depressing to watch. So I'm not watching it. Instead, today I am being incredibly self indulgent and nerding out massively on um, one of my very favourite pet subjects with a friend of mine, Katie. Katie Lowe. Um, Katie, you've been quiet so far. Maybe say hello. Hi. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you. I'm. Uh, I've. I'm very happy to be here. Since uh, when when you told me 
a few months ago that you know you said do you want to be on this at some point I said yes please and I as I said I immediately started thinking and, and reading about the things that we might talk about mm. so specifically what we might talk about so <clears throat> Katie is an academic or at least a former academic well I kind of want want a want some future, want some future no, no, I, I think I'm, I'm a classicist and yeah. I, I do other things now but I think you always it's something that studying the part the ancient past is something that tends to stay with you whatever you do afterwards yeah, that, well, that's for sure, because I did it too. Um, so we got to know each other on Twitter before you came to Brussels, um, when you were still in Oxford uh, as Absolutely. a Although as I a think classicist. we also bonded over our interest in German cinema. That too? That? Oh, yeah, so Heimat. we did in Heimat. Yeah. You gave yes. me that. Yes, you gave me yes. the poster. Yes. yes. So. God, yeah. Brilliant. Well, that, that, that featured in one of our previous podcasts. It did, did it? It did, really? yeah, in um, the Europe Day special when we were talking about our favourite Things. Oh really? Okay. So I, no, talked, I, about, I talked about okay. HiMat. Mm. Mm. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah. So now I, um, my undergraduate degree was uh, a classics degree from the same university, and I really loved it and enjoyed it and miss it and remain interested in in it. And um, <clears throat> you went a bit further. You went and got a mm. defil. I did. Yes. Uh, as they call it. Doctorate yeah. in Oxford. We can't say PhD. That's what they do in Cambridge. Yes. Yeah. Which, yeah. Would, which wouldn't do, would it? Uh, and specifically, your PhD was in, or sorry, whoop, your DPhil was in? Well, I, work, um, I, I ended up specialising in ancient historiography. So that the historiography, it's, the, it's history, but studied as literature as well as history. So what, mm. how, how they say it as well as what they say. Uh, and I my, wrote my thesis on the, his, the Roman historian Tacitus, who was writing at the end of the... Well, the beginning of the second century, or well, the, the end of the first century AD, the beginning of the second century AD, so like you know, 95 AD mm. to 115 AD, and he wrote about he wrote about a number of things, but he wrote about in particular about the early emperors from Tiberius through to Nero. Mm. So he's he's a very you know he's one of he tends to be seen as one of the the, the most interesting surviving ancient historians that we you know mm. there's thousands of pages of ancient literature that we don't have because it doesn't survive but you know we, we mm. do our best with what we've got and he you know he's seen as a very I mean, a very kind of a sort of penetrating cynical insightful writer i mean he's not he's not an objective historian but that 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 concept well it doesn't exist now really it didn't exist then but right. he's very he's you know he's he's interested in in you know how you know the the one of the things key things is the, is the the interplay between illusion and reality you know the the what people say and what they think and mm. what they do mm. um, and he he um he also wrote about roman britain didn't he because he was related to one of the did. first governors he, yes he? So he, he his yeah. father-in-law was a man called agricola who yeah. um, was sort of instrumental in conquering Britain at least temporarily in the about in the 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 seventies mm. um, AD and uh, yeah he wrote <clears throat> a and, and Tacitus wrote a biography of him um, which also talks about the 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 both him as a man but also his activities in Britain that that's where we get the the um, it, it, one of the high points is the battle at a place called Mons Graupius which in, in Scotland what's now Scotland and he and Calvicus is the the the, the ancient Caledonian chieftain who leads the doomed resistance against the uh, against the Romans hmm. uh, and he makes Tacitus gives him a speech obviously Tacitus wasn't there he, if he anyone who had been there wouldn't have understood what this man was saying mm. at any moment who'd been there but he, he um tacitus gives puts into this man's mouth a speech against roman imperialism which is is very you know a lot of people have written a lot of books mm. about articles about this because it's very you know 
why would someone give such an eloquent and lucid voice to some opponent of the entire system that mm. Tacitus was representing, but he does. Mm. And that's, that's one of the reasons why Tacitus is interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Roman education is interesting because, um, yeah. Well, look, I mean, without disappearing down that rabbit hole just yet, because we will, <laughs> we will. And now's probably the time to tune out if you don't want to go down that rabbit hole with us. Um, the reason... Um, the reason we thought it would be interesting to do this podcast, the two of us, on, on this theme is not just for purely selfish reasons, well, mainly for purely selfish reasons, but, but also because, uh, well, there are a couple of, there are a couple of reasons. Um, one is that there are really interesting parallels between politics in the ancient world and politics today, mm-hmm. really interesting parallels. There's a lot of interesting discussion to be had about history about how history is used and perceived and understood in the context of what's going on today. Um, There's also the fact that a a, a bunch of the worst characters in the whole Brexit saga um, constantly use Latin and try to make themselves out to be classicists and basically give our entire uh, beloved subject an incredibly bad name and I think we both would like to sit here and slag them off a bit. Um, that's one reason for doing this. But yeah, really, it was um, you did a, uh, a you did a you wrote um, a piece for my blog, um, a guest post on mm. my blog, just before the referendum. It was uh, I went back and I reread it today. Mm. It was the week that Joe Cox was assassinated, mm, that was it, yeah. and it was um, you know it was it was a. Oh, it was an awful week. It was a terrible time. And it's a very strange. I mean, that, I mean that 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 was the beginning, and also that that yeah. was maybe perhaps the worst in in some. But it but that that looking back three three years on, it that was a very strange. And it's, it's three. It's almost exactly three years, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah, a very exactly. uh, a very strange feeling of events spiraling out of control. Mm. Things happening that you never thought you would see yeah. happening, at least in the UK. I mean, that's our, our privilege, I suppose. Um, but I, I wrote that. I mean, I mean, just to put this in the broader context, I. Um, were you going to introduce? Were you going to say about my sort of trajectory? But but, yeah. basi- but basically, so I, so I studied classics uh, in mainly in, in the UK. I did I I I um I did spend a bit of time in France, a bit of time in Romania uh, on the way. Uh, then I decided that this when I got my doctorate and wrote articles and things, and, and I, st- I still do that a bit. But I decided this wasn't what I wanted to do with my life, and so I came to Brussels. Uh, partly because I wanted to, I suppose, experience modern current affairs rather than just spend my time reading and writing about ancient current affairs in in the basement of various libraries but then obviously of course the the it's not quite that simple and coming here made me realize that or it made me see that it, it made me realize that the, the the boundaries between the past and the present are never fixed obviously you know we we, we live in the world that we live in the the past is not a simple guide we can't just it's it's fun picking out parallels, but maybe not that helpful. But actually, I f- I found that it was, or put another way, when I came here and then things started happening, and I felt I was in the centre of things, and then the referendum and all the associated events. I felt that this was history happening to me, mm. the the kind of history that I've been spent I spent my life reading about. And actually, mm. it was it was actually it wasn't fun. It was no. <laughs> quite quite the opposite it no. was a very it was a strange situation yeah. but it, and it made me think about the history that i've been mm. reading about again yeah may may you live in interesting times oh, absolutely. Um, it, it, it's not it's not fun to live through these things um and um 
there's always the temptation to think that you're projecting or exaggerating and certainly that's what you're told by people who um, remain cosily in their mm. uh, aura of delusion um, thinking oh, well, it could never happen here um, but we're, we're, we're talking today on a day when I think a lot of us are feeling really down it's the 12th of June 2019 um, we've had this beautiful post-extension honeymoon where everybody's thought well you know brexit we can all sit back and stop worrying about brexit and now we're in the the worst depths of the tory leadership contest where they're all fighting each other to say increasingly stupid uh, and and dangerous things about the eu and just this afternoon we had the um, defeat in the house of commons of the move to try to uh, make no deal illegal effectively is what is what they were trying to do um, the prorogation of parliament mm. to um, or the suspension of parliament um, to keep parliament from voting down uh, or in, in any other way blocking no deal uh, as touted by at least two um, Tory leadership candidates um, that was defeated by the government and it just feels really depressing it feels all that stress all that tension mm. it's all coming back it's all flooding back um, it just feels relentless and you, you get the you get the feeling that a lot of people now are just saying for Christ's sake just take us out back and shoot us in the head and get it over with if you're going to do it do it just make it quick because uh, yeah I think the the you I mean, of course, Donald Tusk said, you know, don't, you know, here's, here's your time, don't, don't waste it. And yeah. we, we, we all knew that it was going to be wasted. That yeah. It was not, that they, that we, you know, they, they were, there would be a very quick recourse to the kind of infighting, you yeah. know, very, in, you know, that's, the, the, that we've, we've seen over the last two years, that people yeah. coming out with all these outlandish things, you know, people offering cake without, yeah. without any knowledge of how we're going to eat it, yeah. basically. Yeah, it, it, it. It feels as if the worst is yet to come, doesn't it? It feels as if it's it's yeah. on a downward spiral. Yeah, that's, I think Tacitus would have agreed on that in, in some ways, but uh, so that was one of the things that um, so that was one of the things I wanted to talk about. So um, I think we should talk about your current project, but let's talk about that towards the end. That makes sense. Sure, of course. Um, but do you want a, um, a, a etymological fact? You know, prorogation. That do, do, yeah. do you remember that from your ancient history? Yeah. Uh, that, that that means the opposite in Roman history. In that, when when magistrates who are in charge of a province get their their imperium yeah. prolonged, that's called prorogation. Yeah. So when I first heard this word in the British context, I thought, well, that's, you know, why is why is that a bad thing? You yeah. know, does that mean they'll they'll make Parliament sit until they come out with a <clears throat> yeah. with a with a deal? Um, no, but it, and it's I mean, okay, etymologically it can mean you know it's 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 evolved. Yeah. It's uh, I suppose that's that's maybe a, a parable for how the past can seem like the present, but it isn't. It isn't. Yeah. Um, yes, it's important to. Um, context. Context is always important. Context is key. You are. Remember, uh, we're not actually living through ancient times. Um, we're living through our own times. Um, but um, yeah, so so what I've done is I, I, I made some notes and I was thinking about how we could structure um, this. And some of the notes that I've made are, um, well, um, there are all the interesting Greek parallels. Mm-hmm. There are all the interesting Roman parallels. Same but different. 
we should probably talk about all of those. I think I, I especially want to talk about some of the Greek parallels given given today's launch of Boris Johnson's campaign, because <laughs> I think there are some definite parallels there. Um, the Roman stuff is really interesting because the Roman stuff is all about a system that just can't work anymore. Mm. It's a system and that... It, breaks it, down in slow motion. Breaks down in an awful, mm. awful slow motion way where people can see it's happening. They don't know what to do. It becomes incredibly polarised. Um, the, the, and, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And yet, you know, you, you're there with an incredibly powerful society an incredibly powerful group of people who are incredibly arrogant and believe that they have um a divine right to mm. to 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 be the people that they are so you know it's um so that that's and then i wanted to talk a bit about looking looking back from from distance at these mm. two periods uh and and looking at well you know what these golden ages um that we still talk about they didn't actually last that long uh, and just try to sort of perhaps place our current situation in that context. Um, and then just, yeah, then talk a little bit about history as, um, and how useful it is and how mm. it can be abused, mm. used or abused. And are historians, if you, if, you, if you listen to a historian, should you think, okay, well, it's, it's a historian, it's got to be one of the good guys because... There are some good oh. historians, and there are some. Well, a good really or, a ones. good historian always questions their sources, and, yeah. and so you should question a historian like you would any other source. Hmm. Where should we start? Do you want to? We one of the one of the one of the um, in jokes that you and I have hmm. is um, whenever somebody hits the Thucydides button. Hmm. Indeed, it's so Thucydides. Yeah. So tell us, tell us who who who, who was Thucydides. So Thucydides was a was a, a Greek historian who lived in the the fourth um, sorry no, the fifth century so the four the basically the the four hundreds BC mm. um, he was an Athenian aristocrat elite member of society um, he had a, something of a political career but he he is most famous for his work on the Peloponnesian War which is an account of the the war fought between Athens and Sparta the two major Greek city states um, in well. In the second half of the fifth century BC, to the, to the time in which Thucydides was was alive, uh, it's but it, he also puts it in its wider context that you have the Persian Wars, Athens defeating the the Persian invasion in four eighty four seventy nine BC, mm. and that was this that was the 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 trigger for Athens to build up and well an empire in in Greece and in the the Aegean. So and although Thucydides is talking about the war, he also steps back a bit to, to talk about this, and he and he sees. Uh, and he traces Athens' this rise, basically Athens' rise, mm. uh, the war with Sparta, and then the fall. And then, okay, that we we don't have the end of his text, but he he writes the last couple of books. Well, he, he book six is about the there are eight books that we have. The book six is about the Sicilian expedition. This is this is this great hubristic um, attempt to conquer Sicily, which. Um, has been looked at many times as a parallel for things like the, the Vietnam War, um, Iraq. I, mean, I remember in about in the early two thousands, the invasion of Iraq was seen as a, as a kind of you know the same kind of thing. This 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 high minded uh, effort to go and conquer another territory for what was seen what what were touted as good reasons, hmm. which clearly was never going to work. Was it, it you know involved a much much bigger undertaking than those who advocated for it admitted or wanted to admit. Um, and so this is the this is this is the beginning of the end for Athens, at least in this sort of phase of history. And then 
there were very, um, in the at the end of the fourth sorry the fifth century there were you know there were there were um, the democracy was abolished at least temporarily and, and Thucydides traces this uh, all the way to the end and then then it it as I say we don't have the end of the book but he but he also you know he's interested in a bit like Tacitus the, I suppose the the um, the the gap between illusion and you know what what appears to be the case and what really is the case. Uh, he's interested in the nature of power and in democracy, um, and you know was on the one hand Athens was famous for being in democracy. On the other hand, at least some of his the people in his text admit in their speeches, which are not verbatim transcripts, but they're still very significant. All, nonetheless, they admit that this wasn't really democracy; that this was just you know this is. Powerful men like Pericles, like Cleon, like Alcibiades were, were, were the ones calling the shots. Um, and Thucydides himself, he was very deeply involved in this. He was he was he was a general. He was exiled at one point, and the, his exile is also seen as his, his informing his maybe slightly cynical and detached view of Athens. So um, Thucydides is regularly wheeled out by all sorts of people. Mm to illustrate or justify all sorts of modern political thinking. Yeah. And it, it was particularly, he, he, he was particularly, the American neocon, neocons yeah. were particularly bad at this. Well, there, there, there are reasons for it. I mean, I think, um, I mean, I've, there's some interesting sort of academic work that's been done on this that sort of says that in, in the UK, if you quote Thucydides, you are seen as an elitist. But actually, in the, in the US, it's a lot more common for politicians to, or political figures to quote him in translation because I think it's partly because they study, it's, it, it's they more often study things like great books and these are very they have these syllabuses that are very uh, sweeping. So you can yeah. in in the in the UK kind of quoting Greek is a, is a mark of elitism. In the US, it's a sign that you know you've you're kind of educated, but you've but also these quotations, and there are all these kind of fake Thucydides questions, quotations that um, keep recurring. And in a, in a way, it's more it's when 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 people quote them, it's more that they're the fact that they are kind of becoming part of a tradition of uh, U.S. politicians is almost more important than the fact that they are quoting Thucydides. But at the same time, the whole thing is again a kind of metaphor for how ancient authors are used and abused by. Us people now. Yeah, I mean, the way that the American right tended mm. to use Thucydides was they would use Thucydides both as a justification for an aggressive expansionist democracy. Mm. So they were looking at Athens um, as a power mm. um, and the successes of Athens. They would also look at Sparta versus Athens. Well, of course, the cold, the cold, it's a perfect Cold War yes, metaphor, exactly. isn't it? The, the, the you know, Athens as the US and Sparta, you know, the kind of mm. you know closed militaristic state as, mm. as, as the USSR. That was that was a, a very nice parallel. Um, but I mean, what interests me more about um, about the story that Thucydides tells, when it's really, I mean, honestly, go and read it in translation. It's just it, it's not difficult to read. In translation, think. I mean, um, it, it's very difficult Greek, as, as you, it is sure you remember. Greek, it. Yes, I, I do it's, remember that. Uh, yeah. And I think, you know, everybody, but, even the most brilliant Greek scholar today is 
they're not reading it like the ancient Greeks. And really no, no, of course not. It's, but you know, there's no shame in reading this stuff in no, translation. No, that's what I mean. You know, um, everybody is mm. everybody today is reading. Is, mm. Even if they're doing their own translation, mm. or if they're reading another translation, there are some very good translations. It's we're we're all in the same boat yeah. in a way. And and it, it is definitely worth a read. You know, don't read a book about Thucydides. Read Thucydides because it is um, it's a story. Um, it's fascinating. It's tragic. It's emotional. It's it's um, it's it's really it's really something that will stay with you. Um, and the bits that stay, there are there are there are two or three things that I wanted to mention because all of those have such interesting resonance today. So one is the um, character of Alcibiades. Oh yes, a very, today in particular, this is a very yes. he's a very uh, he was definitely coming to my mind earlier. Um, I also want to talk a bit about Cleon, hmm. the Nigel Farage of his course, day. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, so we've got the Boris Johnson of his day, we've got the Nigel Farage of his day, and we've got the lunatic decisions taken by um, by a popular vote hmm. uh, of the Athenian Assembly, um, which they actually managed to revoke at the last minute, fortunately. For the, in for one the Medians, case. yes. yes. Not, yeah. for the Sicilian expedition, no, not for the Sicilian is, expedition, uh, but yeah. for Miletus. For the for the yeah for the for the for Lesbos and the um, the expedition. Uh, where, so what? Okay, look. Yeah. What happened there? We'll put you up your misery. What happened there was that Cleon, a populist politician, mm, a rabble rouser. Although again, uh, that's how he comes across in the sources. Yeah, I mean, course. he may. I mean, it's, we, I mean, don't, story, we don't know. Yeah, I mean, it may be know. more complicated than that. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. he a rabble rouser. Mm. Banging on and on mm. about the uh, right of Athens to do what the bloody hell it likes because Athens is special, um, and how dare these people on this island in the northeast of the Aegean? Um, how dare they presume to rebel mm. against us? Well, there's only one solution here: we need to send our navy over there, and they need to massacre yeah. every living person on the island. Yeah, or Mytilene, which was Mytilene, not Mytilene, 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 Mytilene. Um, and and off and off the navy went, hmm. and then the 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 Athenian um, Diodotus, I think, was the other guy. No. Was it? Um, yeah. Um, but anyway, the, what what yeah. happened was yeah. yeah was it yeah so so yeah. so a, a sensible um, ish person yes. yeah then you yeah go on yeah. What, what, yeah. What, what happened then this, for a while. this is so, really I'm very uh, rusty on yeah. this yeah anyway so, so um, I think that they they kind of reconsidered and the, and the assembly was was called again and then he and Diodotus spoke. Uh, yes. And and he then and then and, and you know as, as I think the way Thucydides brought it you know the, just as they'd been you know all out for revenge the the people were now you know struck by pity and yeah. horror and they they said please uh, send a fast yeah. yeah what have we done and they sent a fast ship yeah which was caught it just in time they yeah, caught it was the, the first ship was was going slowly was the, the sailors didn't want to yeah. didn't want to go and massacre yeah, yeah basically yeah. so yeah. so they caught up and called off. Um, Brexit, or rather, the Mytilene um, expedition at the last minute, but that was um, so. That there, there's a, a a story about the dangers of populism that has mm. all sorts of resonance. I get the, yeah, the dangers of direct democracy. Yes, the dangers yeah, exactly. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, and 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 how direct democracy can be mm. um, can be suborned. Um, and then there was the, but then, but then the character that, of Alcibiades is particularly interesting. So Alcibiades uh, was um, one of the poshest of the posh mm, uh, in Athens, yeah. from the very wealthiest and most powerful family in Athens, and um, was 
a, a very popular figure. Weird, he, he was he was he was he was so posh that he had you know he he was slightly above the you know he had connection with Sparta, which was Athens, mm. but he, mm. this this was you know, it, it was I'm trying to think of a more, there were, I'm sure there are you know he, it, the way that you know, there are links between aristocracies and different you know by whatever mm. by by association or by. Or royal families in different countries that, that transcend national like, borders, like De Feffel yeah. or yeah. Uh, the links to the Turkish and Spanish. Surely and not. Yeah, 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 yes, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, absolutely. So he and he was, and he was, uh, so he yeah he was very very aristocratic, very kind of almost above the fray, and but as you say, very good at marketing himself. But exactly, he was a celeb. Yes. He was a, he was a celeb. Yeah. Yeah. He was an Athenian celebrity. He was a, he was a chariot. You know, he won one race, chariot yes. race, yes. chariot chariot driving races. He he was a, he was he was a, a yeah a play a playboy. And, yeah. and he was always um, he always attracted scandal, and yet mm. somehow he managed to come back from scandal. And... Well, yeah, he did some outrageous things and yeah. somehow bounced back. You know, yeah. changed sides several times and somehow yes. bounced back. Yeah, I mean, he even sort of defected to to Sparta at one point. Sp- to Persia yeah. as well. And, he, and to Persia, Persia, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, and he was instrumental in well the way the way Thucydides presents it, which of course is you know, we all we have basically not much more than we have. Um, he was instrumental in in kind of in Brexit um, in Brexit in the Sicilian yeah, expedition. In the Sicilian expedition. He yeah. he um, he basically said you know this let's go and conquer Sicily. It's you know it's going to be it's easy. We've got allies there. No yeah. you know no no worries. We have no we have no yeah. plan for we, yeah. there's no plan for defeat because yeah, we be um, we'll get a we'll get a fabulous yeah. victory. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah, you you may be picking up on the mm. um, parallels that we see. I mean, that's I think that's rather flattering mm. the modern equivalent. But um, yeah, Alcibiades, um, really interesting character, quite a complex character. Definitely the star of of, um, of Thucydides' book, mm. and um, well worth reading I mean, up on. And he, yeah. what happened mm. to him in the end? Well, he he was hang on. He ended up in. I think Asia Minor. He was, he was sort of ended up playing off the Athenians and the Persians again. I think he he ended up being assassinated. I think although there was, I think there was a weird. There were some other weird traditions about his death. But yeah, and, you know, he, yeah. he died quite ignominiously. But well, after, after bouncing across yeah. the Aegean a number of times in in the past. So he he, he so he he changed changed his mind. Probably had, mm. probably probably had two pieces of mm. uh, parchment Possibly, yeah. or you know um, yeah. where and he, chose the he, one you yeah. Know, Saying that, well, let's fight Sparta. Let's invade he was, Sicily. He was kind of he was he was he was involved in, in an aristocratic group that was group that was believed to have committed acts of drunken vandalism mm, of the um, Herms, wasn't it? The Herms, yeah, yeah, yeah. the mutilation mm, of the Herms mm, just before the expedition. Mm. Uh, he had a complicated love life. Yeah, a bit uh, like he, Bloom, what was, what's the name? The, the, the Bullingdon, 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 Bullingdon yeah, club. Yeah, yeah. yeah, complicated love life. Yes, ah. he did. Yeah, no, he he was when he he went off to so after the, so after this 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 smash this. Um, this drunken kind of vandalism. He, mm. That was just before the Sicilian expedition started. He went off. He was meant to go back to Athens for trial. He then jumped ship to literally to Sparta. Mm. He's meant to have had an affair with one of the Spartan, the two Spartan kings. He had an affair with one of their wives. Mm. So you know he was. He clearly, you know, but he, he. I think he then got chased out of Sparta, but then he, mm. you know, he, he bounced back. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's sort of almost comforting in a way that none of these figures kind of do do recur across the centuries, perhaps. Comforting. Yeah. yeah. Well, the important thing is he died ignominiously. Yeah, and so, we, we can tell ourselves that a little bit more. So, yeah, so um, 
So classics fans, lots and lots of interesting parallels in um, in ancient Greece for the nonsense that we're currently living through. Mm-hmm. Um, but it doesn't end there. No, and there's indeed. Rome. No, well, it never. I mean, it never. I mean, that's one of the things about history teaching. You know, a, both everything comes to an end, and also it never. You know, t- you know, li- life rolls on. So I suppose it's it's perspective is useful it is it is useful yeah now i mean roman roman history i think is even more well we already talked about it a bit we already said you know the the way in which rome um rome had already already had a, a long and impressive history by the time we get to the period that we're talking about mm. so by the time so well before the end of the republic and and, and beginning of the empire Rome was already the hegemonic power in the Mediterranean and had uh, a complicated and advanced legal system Mm -hmm. and constitution and political setup with elements of democracy, with elements of oligarchy, with with all sorts. It was with elements of monarchy, and it was a very interesting, um, really interesting thing to study. And and what's interesting about Rome is that you have. Um, far more than, than, than Greece, you have records. So you have records from contemporaries and, and near contemporaries. Mm. You have Greek travellers who went to Rome and wrote about Rome and described it. But you also had uh, Romans, such as Tacitus, as you were saying. But also you had you have the surviving letters of people who mm. lived through this stuff. So what's really interesting about mm. uh, about Ro- Roman late Republic Roman history is you've got the letters of Cicero. So Cicero Indeed. wrote letters. Loads of letters, and he had a, a secretary called Tyro, who kept all these letters and pulled them together mm. and published them after mm. his death. Indeed. Um, and whereas you got, le- you had later, you had a tradition of letter writing with the Romans, where you had later um, aristocrats and politicians such as Pliny the Younger who wrote letters. They were clearly written mm. for a market. Mm. They were clearly written to be read and to be. Whereas Cicero's letters, I mean, this, it's not, it's it's still controversial, mm. but I mean, it mm. it, it, it is. It is easy to believe that Cicero's letters that we that we have now in great number were the real deal. They were written mm. to the people in the in the to address, people, in the, yeah, 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 and, yeah. And, and not written mm. with a view mm. to. I mean, obviously, they're written to yeah. glorify Cicero mm. yes, and to indeed, project yeah. his particular yeah. political agenda. And we, yeah, and we should talk about that because mm. um, you know, if you're interested in the, in the in the period, you may well have read, or if you haven't, you, you might want to read the books by Robert Harris, for example. Robert Harris, great remain, great mm. remain ally, wrote some very interesting. I haven't actually read these books, um, and then there's I a read some of them that. a long time ago, then, but then I stopped yeah. myself because of the, you know, if you're actually doing exams on this, oh, yeah, you do you remember yeah. doing exams on this stuff? You don't want to read the fiction. No, 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 you don't it, want to read. You, the you get confused. Yeah. But, and also the thing, the thing that I'm not so keen on is that, I mean, um, well, I, I, you know, I can't say because I haven't read them, but I, I've always cordially disliked Cicero. I've always thought mm. he was the, one of the bad guys, um, mainly for his politics. But I mean, also just, he's just such a well, yeah, dweeb, isn't he? We, we, you know, we know him in many ways, you know, more intimately than any, possibly anyone else mm. in the whole of ancient history. But yet, yeah, yeah he was, he, I'm sure he was... Not always an easy really person to, person, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, some of the choices he makes, that you know, the, yeah. you know, he basically he's a he's he's not an aristocrat. He's not a traditional. Um, he doesn't come from a you know long, well-established family, no. but he wants to be someone yeah. like he that. He has a massive chip on his shoulder. Yes. Yeah. And and his entire life and career are defined by that chip on his shoulder, and so he becomes the most resmog of the resmogs, 
and he I hadn't thought of that then, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah yeah yes and yeah. he is he 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 I have no doubt that he would have spoken in a, in a horribly mm. contrived accent um, and he, mm. um, and I mean, he's mm. clearly. Um, I mean, it, it, to call him Reese Moggis to do him down because he's clearly a fiercely intelligent mm. man and, and an incredibly gifted orator and lawyer. Uh, but you read his speeches. Um, so he 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 had a very successful political career uh, until he was bumped off during the civil wars. But he had a. But he was consul um, twice. No, was it just the one. But it but was, it was a very eventful consulate. Yeah, yeah. So consul is is the chief is mm. like being the prime minister, mm. um, the chief magistrate, the chief the chief executive, and and during his consulship, he defeated um, an uprising, supposedly a supposed yes. uprising yeah. by somebody called Catiline, mm. um, uh, and he wrote uh, a powerful speech. Um, where he effectively destroyed Catiline's uprising and his career, and and and, and demolished, uh, completely uh, de- demolished the character, assassinated the character of this man who was also incidentally, obviously executed um, for for the entirety he died, he died of history. In battle, but yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. in battle, yeah. <clears throat> and um, the other people were executed without trial. Yeah, and this yeah. caused problems for Cicero later. But um, but so we're sort of jumping in midias rays really. But um, but what's what's really interesting about Cicero is that he is, um, if you like, the the hardcore of the ERG of its time mm. of the um, of the conservative mm. party, small c, small p, within the Roman establishment at a time when there was incredible polarization between mm. the populists, the mm. sort of if you want to. Put a modern mm. label on it: the left wingers, the yeah. the the what would you call them? The the um, yeah, well, popularis is what they were called. And, yeah, you know, I mean they they were. I mean they at least pretended to be interested in in the in the interest of the people as yeah. a whole, even if that was often a proxy for their own interests, yeah. or they yeah. saw that as a way to. to, to yeah, they were they were they were uh, the Corbynists at the time. Yeah. so they would. <laughs> well, they were you know people like Julius Caesar. He was a you know, he was yeah. not a Corbynist. You know, I think it was just a case of pe- people. There were the. You know, the other, get, yeah. Seamus Milner, but yeah. Simon, yeah. Maybe that's a bit closer, actually. Yeah, <laughs> I. Um, but even you know Rory Stewart, someone like that. I mean, he, you know, he's clearly in. in I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm yeah. being a bit unkind. You know, yeah. uh, and in the field that we have, Rory Stewart is obviously people has who many are... qualities recommended. But he is, but at the same time, he is. He knows what he's doing. I think. Yeah, yeah. People who are very consciously um, ploughing a particular sort of populist, popular furrow. Mm. In order to in order to advance their own careers, um, but by, but they're doing so by being tribunes of the plebs. I mean, mm. they're being tri- I mean, literally uh, <laughs> that's where the tribune mm. yeah, indeed, g- comes from. So so you've got yeah. these um, aristocrats who pursue a political career, and instead of going the classic route, which is patronage, conservatism, mm. um, military careers, well, they, they do pursue military careers too. But what they've done is that. So it starts um, about uh, about a hundred years before the end of the Republic, with a couple of young um, aristocrats, um, the Gracchi. You may, mm-hmm. you may, you know, you listener may have heard of these guys, but I mean, if you haven't, you should have done because they're they're amazing, amazing characters. So the the two Gracchi brothers um, spotted, mm. well, we assume. Spotted a loophole in the yeah. in in the in the uh, political system where they could use a relatively junior magistracy mm. in order to introduce legislation, mm. um, which could then, using the democratic bit of the Roman constitution, mm. 
find itself suddenly mm. in law. Mm. And they used this to win enormous support mm. from um, the citizens yeah. mm. um, and introduced very radical mm. uh, legislation. Yeah. Like land, land reform. Yeah, land reform, yeah. You know, th- then this was kind of... Because, I mean, the way... The way you know, I think it's Plutarch who says what well, Tiberius Gracchus he he was coming coming home from a posting abroad. And he you know he saw these massive estates that were mm. you know not productive, and he sort of thought, well, why why couldn't these be parcelled up and given to Roman citizens? And mm. you know this was clearly mm. this was one of the problems that was hap- was mm. was presenting itself in that point. So you know mm. they they did they did spot even mm. if not saying their motives lack self interest, but they mm. they 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 did they an did injustice. They saw yeah, an injustice. Whether they Romans, were like, we yeah. need to tackle the injustice, yeah. or we can use this injustice, yeah. they mm. spotted mm. it, and they and they they mm. spotted a hole in the system mm. that they could mm. use to exploit and mm. and and uh, and make radical changes. So radical that both of them ended up being murdered. Mm. Well, yes, um, indeed. Yeah. Um, but in um, a way that kind of set a kind of template for the violence yeah. that would happen yeah. in the later decades before the end. Of so the then, decade. exactly. So then, then you then what that then sets off mm. is, is is literally a hundred years of increasingly bloody uh, mm. uh, violence uh, mm. until the entire system just collapses in on mm. itself, and you then mm. get the empire. But um, but Cicero is writing towards the end of that process, mm. and at, at which point the the parties have become incredibly polarized. And you've got um, literally gangs roving yeah, yes, the streets. Yeah. So you've got you've got um, so you've got the populist leaders who have uh, because because their reforms haven't been delivered. They take up mm. the rifle and mm. don car key, yeah. and they go out yeah. there and they start fighting. And so yeah. you've got you've got actual armies. Yeah. Later, you've got the actual civil wars, mm. but before that, you've also got um, street battles mm. in Rome, where you've got um, mm. some of the yeah. the populist leaders, yeah. uh, well, both populist leaders, yeah. um, at one point well, end yeah. up being beaten to death. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and of course, I mean, the system itself is just, is just breaking down. I mean, C- yeah. Caesar, Julius Caesar, becomes uh, consul, so, as you say, like prime minister. Well, but there are two consuls, so, so one of the two prime ministers in fifty nine. Uh, he wants to bring in legislation, thing again, the land land reform. You know. You know, which is partly because he's got this. These big, there are these big armies that have stopped fighting, and they need the soldiers need to be given somewhere so they can retire on. So, but his his fellow consul, his fellow prime minister, uh, was was one of the you know much more you know aristocratic kind of conservative. He kind of tried to block this legislation by. Um, basically saying that he was watching the saying that he was observing the skies for omens mm. um which which meant that you because this basically filibustered yeah, it filibustered yeah, it, yeah basically yeah. And, but then in the end he <clears throat> he gets chased out of the forum and see julius caesar goes on it so the system breaks down this happens later in the decade um basically the consuls are elected at the end of each year but then i think 55 53 there's so much chaos that no election take place the year begins without consuls this is you know this is something is extremely wrong uh, i think at one point pompey you know is, is, who was you know became caesar's great rival uh, gnaeus pompeius he who himself had you know he'd part of in some ways his, his career had been uh, sort of propping up the system in other ways he'd he'd had a lot of power given to him in a way that wasn't really conducive to the 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 peace of the republican system so he he ends up at one point being sole consul so mm. you know the consuls they're always in pairs so when you've got one consul that mm. that go you know that may be a um, a short term solution to uh, a period of anarchy but it's not it, it's it's a sign that things are really not right at all and there's a there's a, a really deep set roman dislike and mistrust of Authority being vested in one individual of monarchy, um, the um, 
the, 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 the ancient history of Rome, so what the Romans at the period that we're talking about would consider to be their ancient history, um, you had Roman kings, and the kings, um, the line of kings came to an end with uh, one particularly unpleasant um, king called Tarquinius Superbus, his mm-hmm. surname meaning the arrogant, uh, who also came to a messy end. Uh, and ever since then, you had a, mm. a system in Rome whereby no individual would have mm. supreme power. Mm. Um, and so you had um, you had these symbols of power um, that would be granted to the consuls as chief, chief executives. You'd have these bundles of rods, which were sticks that were used, and axes that, that, that would be bound up, and, and you'd carry these as, as symbols of authority and power. And they were called the fasces, which is where the Italian fascists got their name from. Um, but you would never have these. Um, mm. You never have these. All this power vested in one individual mm. until the period that we're talking mm. about, where no. it began to happen. Mm. Incredibly, you had a. You had a. Was it Sulla or Cinna who was the first dictator? Well, yeah. Sulla. Well, Cinna, you know, there's the civil war in the 80s with Cinna and Marius, yeah. and then Sulla, yeah. Sulla ends up dictator. Yeah, so Sulla ends up being the dictator. Yeah. So that dictator was a, was yeah. an official term for an emergency chief. Yeah, it was meant to be six months. Meant to be for six months. Yeah, for six then, months only. Yeah. So you've got this sort of, you've got this very, you've got a, a constitution and a highly legalistic and, 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 and lawyer-driven society mm. where, where the law just breaks down in the face of power politics. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, it's it's a lot of, I mean, you're, you're quite right. Um, but this this was kind of the, the, the end of a process. I mean, of course, you know, Rome started as a city-state, then it, be, you know, then it becomes a city-state that starts conquering yeah, other yeah. territories and a city-state with an empire. And then, of course, if you have an empire, you have to you govern wealth. it. And, and, and then, we have wealth yeah, and you have to govern yeah, it. So, yeah. so, so uh, and the, the traditional model was for mad- high-ranking magistrates like consuls, mm. but also praetors, you know, who were slightly further down the chain to go out and, con- you know, lead armies, yeah. conquer if necessary, rule if necessary. Yeah. And But this, this, you know, this, this system... You know that relies on everyone being completely, you know, loyal and fair-minded mm. and not at all self-interested. And when it, this was what I mean, team players, yeah, basically. And, and it also, yeah. you know, you need to when you ha- and, and then it also relies on there being something for the soldiers to do after the war's over. And this mm. was oh, because the fact that there were um, there was a big sort of democratization of the army about the same time. And this this in the the in the, the period when the Gracchi were were kind of active, and this was, you know, all, all these all these things that when you order one city state, not you don't have to bother, you know, don't have to worry about. But the, this was these were things that the the Roman mm. system was not really mm. equipped to deal with. Mm. Um, so again, without wishing to belabor the point, the parallels there for for where we are now are, to mm. me they're, they're clear. You know, we have in in the UK we've got. Um, uh, a system that has been around for quite a long time. It's very um, traditional. It's very. Um, it, it, it's hostage to its own mm. traditions, but it's no longer fit for purpose, and the world has moved on. And you compare it with a more nimble modern democracy, like, for example, the German one, which is there mm. because um, it was put together by the finest minds sort of sixty years ago mm. uh, in in the ashes of total destruction. Um, and and now it works very well. Um, whereas the democracy that mm. it's it's, it's advocates, yeah, it's it's a, yes, a palimpsest, yeah. and it, yeah. it, it, it's this it's this. Um, and that's of course what its advocates 
think is so special about mm. it and so so mm. precious about it and, mm. and and what makes it better than mm. everything else mm. but i think looking at that objectively mm. um you could say no i mean nothing can stay the mm. same forever no. and if you leave something if 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 it's there you know in in aspic the time will come where it mm. simply it, it, it will yeah. break under its own yeah. And that has, feels like what, what yeah. we're witnessing. Yeah, it's a it, system it, yeah. that just doesn't work anymore. It relies on people being willing to play the game. And we've seen the last few years, people are not willing to play the game. Yeah, people won't exactly. resign. If people, you know, it's, it's a point to be made repeatedly that politicians in the UK now are not resigning for things that yes. not that long ago they would have resigned exactly. for the next day. So it's, exactly. So it's, exactly. The consensus is broken they down. They can get away with it. They, they, the, now, you, now, you now have politics in the UK where... Um, you can say whatever you like mm. in order to get what you want. Mm. And it's no longer a matter of resignation. It's no longer even controversial. Mm. Uh, at the same time, you have all these other... You, you, have, you don't have a written constitution. You have all sorts of traditions. And, 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 and um, there was a really good podcast um, on the, the, the Guardian. Excuse me. Did a couple of weeks ago or a week ago um, on the House of Lords and how mm. the House of Lords, we mm. need a second chamber. Mm, the course. House of Lords is not the second chamber that we need. No. It just does not work. It's not fit for purpose. Um, and that's just one of the many ways in which the British Constitution, the English Constitution, is just it's just not functioning. Mm. And so then the, the, the question begs itself, well, <clears throat> looking at history, looking at other... Um, societies where this has happened you know <laughs> where where does it go mm. and of course the students of ancient Rome mm. well it doesn't go anywhere mm. good mm. Uh, things have to happen no, before indeed. we come out the other side yes. and that's what's slightly scary mm. so I mean that brings me to another point which um, well we haven't have we, have we exhausted that because there's so much to talk about there's so much to talk about in, in, in that maybe maybe we can't cover mm. it all or we can't obviously cover it all I, I, mean, it, I mean it's it's yeah, as I, as I said, I think there are, um, as you say, there are strong similarities. But the, I mean, well, that's the, the that's the different one is that we we are talking about Rome and the UK in isolation. Obviously, in the, mm. the UK now, there is a the big external factor that, that mm. wasn't relevant then. But it's a, uh, but um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, indeed. Um, that that's that's the that's where the analogy mm. breaks down because you don't quite have mm. that. Um, Although there's some interest, I mean, of course, the Roman Rome's big rival, if anyone at this point was Parthia. I mean, mm. in, in, it was almost a bit like another Cold War thing, mm. the, the mm. US and, and mm. Russia. And uh, of course, you know, the, Parth- the Parthians do, you know, Crassus, who was, the, you know, the, the famously mm. rich politician who joined up with Caesar and Pompey at one point. He, mm. he goes, yeah, he goes to the Parth. You know, people, that's the problem. People see that these politicians; they don't see. Other countries, as you know, you know, or regions as as as, as potential allies, they see them as as you know, potential sources of mm. money. I mean, yeah. you know, whatever yeah. um, treasure. So so Crassus goes and fights the Parthians and is mm. is killed, and they sort of parade him. You know, mm. I think there's one story. Too, you know, he gets flayed or something. Yeah, no, I think it's no, it's someone else who gets gold poured down his yes. neck. But it, but you know, he, he was, was yes, it was, he was, seen it was him. Yeah, yeah, I I think. Think. Well, it yes, maybe yeah. it was him. But it's um, so. Um, Game yeah, the, yeah, style. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a... yeah, yes, um, yeah. So all sorts of interesting. Um, anyway, it's just, it's just really interesting, isn't it? it yeah. and it's much more interesting to think about than boring old Brexit. Yeah. Mm. I mean, as, 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 I, I, was, as I was trying to say, I think you know these are not 
we shouldn't get too seduced by the similarities because they're, they're fun but I mean we have to ask us do they what do they teach us I mean maybe they don't teach us nothing other than we just have to wait for things to get better I don't know but it, it's just I think you know it's because of people like Jacob Rees-Mogg and Boris Johnson we we you know we there is a certain way of thinking that sees now as a replay of then and it's very informed by yeah, elite, you know, elitist education and I, I, I think it's important to see that there are differences as well as similarities yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about, which is sure. um, the way in which, um, you know, I, I, I studied classics. I, I love the subject. Um, I, I often regret not um, staying on and, and doing it for longer, um, but I didn't. And I haven't done it now for... Ooh. Nearly thirty years. Well, it's still there. It's years. waiting for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But it's really, it's re- it's a really long time, as you might be able to tell from my rusty memory of the whole thing. Um, but I, I do get irritated at these at these posh boys mm, who who course. dress yeah. themselves up in, mm. in, and because it is seen as because it is seen as an elitist mm. thing to know about ancient history, they wear it mm. on their sleeves. And they revel in the elitism of it, mm. and they use Latin uh, sayings and koans, and 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 and, um, and people love them for it. It's like, mm. oh, isn't it? You know, and then mm. other people hate them for mm. it. But I personally, that that offends me and and, and annoys me because um, they're co-opting something that is mm. means definitely. A lot, yeah, that, that in that classics, has democratized me. a lot. In I mean, okay, yeah, the, up until the, say the. Uh, well into the second half of the twentieth century, classic was an elitist pursuit, but now I think it, it's opened up a lot. And well, yeah, it's in the and, last... and it, so it should because why should it be for the elite or an elitist thing to study about your own past mm. and the origins mm. of your society? Mm. Surely that's something that we should all be doing. Mm. That, why, what the hell is elitist about that? Mm. And for somebody to be able to produce a couple of lines of Latin. Mm. Why should that? Okay, because it, well, it's because of our stupid education mm. system, of course. But it shouldn't be, and it annoys me. Mm. So, uh, especially as bloody Rhys Mogg didn't even do classics. Mm. He was a, he was a historian, and not a very good one. Um, no, indeed, no. But uh, no. No. I think he said he wished he studied classics. I think I think <laughs> I've seen that somewhere. But it's well, that was his you know, it's been that on his yeah. head. But I'm not sure. Yeah. He was he was a yeah. uh, year below me, yeah. um, and um, I'm sure none of my tutors would have wanted him. But anyway. But, uh, um, but no, now, yeah. Boris Johnson yeah. did do classics. Mm, he did, yes. Um, yeah. But he only got a two one. Yeah, well, so. but, but when he was, I mean, he was a bit of an advocate for classics. In the, I think you know he he was a spokesman for various sort of organisations that were promoting. And of course now, I think now they've disowned him basically well, because he's, so, yeah. he's um, but and also of course he you know this 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 tradition they're drawing on it. It's it's you know this is this is a long standing kind of parallelism between say that the. the the Roman Empire and the British Empire, or the Athenian hegemony over the Aegean mm. with the, the British Empire. So, the, you know, the, these are, you know, they're... Well, there's also yeah, that, as you say. There's, 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 the, long, there's that yeah. awful conceit that yeah. you had in British politics post-war, yeah. which is that, well, we're, their, we're, we're Athens to their Rome. Yes, we're talking about course, the Americans yes, too, and the special yes, relationship, which yes. is just so cringeworthy and awful. Yeah. It's awful. But then, as you say, there's, there is the whole, well, we are the new Rome. You know, mm. we, we, you know... Yeah. Uh, so... It, it does tie into. I mean, you don't get any of this nonsense in um, in other um, European countries where the study of classics is a slightly mm. arcane and nerdy. Well, yeah. Although, of course, I think in other countries they tend to focus on the the resistance. I mean, you know, the Ger- the Germans. Uh, or, or, okay, not now, but the 
you know, Arminius, the, the German who who destroyed three yes. or who three legions, and he yeah. became Hermann, the German, who was this yeah. sort of you know this proto-Germanic figure, and the history of the of the well, ancient Germans. So I'm yeah. just saying, that in other countries, they see that they identify themselves with the with the with the resistance. With the resistance not well, the we are we are literally right yeah. here on um, um, just up the road from um, Square Ambulance, yes. which is where yeah. I live, and um, that was a, a Belgian. Yeah, he's basically the Asterix of Belgium. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, no, that annoys me. So I wanted, I, I just wanted to flag that. Um, I, I, I'm sometimes a bit shy of deploying my classical education and knowledge online because it comes across as elitist and a bit twatty um uh, maybe it is a bit twatty but you know it annoys me it shouldn't be elitist it's, it's mm. our history it's our mm. collective history mm. and obviously as somebody who is interested in european integration mm. <laughs> there are reasons why i find mm. that period so interesting i mean i've got um I'll, I'll link to a couple of my blog posts but i i um a couple of years ago indulged myself in a walk along the length oh, of Hadrian's Wall. I've always wanted to do that. Yeah, really enjoyed it. Mm. But um, top tip, do the middle bit, don't do the okay. either end, because <laughs> especially the Newcastle. Oh, I've been to the, I've been to the, the fort. Road. What's it? The oh, yeah, right there's, a, the there's three or four forts. The, right uh, in this, next to the harbour. Oh, yeah, the one Wall's End, at Wall's, Wall's End. end yes, yeah, yeah, that's, that's really yes, good. Yeah, yes. that's really good. They've got a really nice museum. And the metro right station has signs in Latin. Yeah, yeah. Did you see? And then across the Tyne in... In South Shields, they've got um, okay. a reconstructed fort as well. It's I'm really actually in Newcastle next week. Maybe I will. You should go. Actually, no, no, I've been to Wall's End, but maybe the other one. Yeah, because they've reconstructed yeah. some of the buildings yes. there. Yeah. So that's okay. really quite interesting. Mm, mm. It's another. It was the one. Yeah. It was a fort that was actually built as a supply base for building the wall. Really, really I didn't interesting. Know. Okay. Right. But um, but yeah, I wrote a blog post at the time because it was it was it was it was really my long walk to come to terms with the result of the um of the, of the referendum and i wrote a, a post at the time where you look at the eu and then you look at the roman empire and you sort of flick between the two and obviously there are some mm. major differences mm, in course. the map yeah. but if you look at sort of continental mm. europe mm. and the british isles um it's it's stark to see the bit south of the wall mm. Mm. blank mm. where and um, whereas um in, in in of course in in rome in the roman empire it was the bit the south of the wall that was mm. in colored mm. in red mm. Mm. um and yeah you, you just get a feeling of you get a historical perspective mm. um which i think is interesting um where should we go now um one thing I wanted to, the other thing I wanted to touch on, touch on is something that I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I wanted just to talk about time time spans and time mm. scales, mm. because um, that's the other thing that I think people don't have that perspective unless they've studied a bit of history. When we talk about the Roman Empire and, and mm. the ancient Greeks, we talk about things that we think were there forever. Like you talk about mm. the Egyptians, and the Egyptians, I mean, it's 3,000 years, their civilization. Mm. But when you look at the Golden Age of Athens and the Golden mm. Age of Rome, mm. or the bit where Rome was under competent, secure, stable government, mm. we are not talking about periods of more than mm. 100 no, years indeed, at the most. Indeed. In fact, probably mm. a little bit less. Mm. 
And then when you look at the EU and you look at Europe's post-war mm. history mm. and the stability that we've mm. enjoyed in that period, um, it would be nice to think mm. that we live in an age mm. of permanent progress mm. and that things are just going to get better and better and better mm. and better and better. But historically, um, that would be the exception. Mm. Um, of course. And it's, you know, we, you know, the people thought in the early 90s the end of history had come, but it yeah. very clearly hasn't. And I think actually, you know, I, I, contemporary historians, I think, have, have pretty much decided that... Um, uh, that um, that we're now very well beyond the, okay, 19, we, you know, whatever the post-1989 era was and whenever yeah. it ended it's now over and we're now in, in different yeah. territory yeah. and in some ways we're in uncharted waters we yeah. don't know yeah. we, we don't know what's coming next but it's yeah, yeah as you say no, nothing things ever and flow things change mm. you know mm. we, we Every generation thinks that what it's constructed is is going to be better and longer mm. lasting than that of the previous generation, but of course that history shows that's not yeah. going to be the case. And I think that's an important um, that's an important insight that historians can bring because um, people need context, people need objectivity. Um, what we what we don't have is the is the contextual view the, the mm, long no. view where you've got um, um, where you're looking at Brexit in the context of English and mm. British history over the course, well, of, course of the two hundred years? Of course, years. There's, there's. I mean, I've, you know, this this topic comes up on Twitter and elsewhere every so often. What 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 the kind of history that 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 children are taught in British schools is, I think, is 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 definitely quite problem. You know, the way we, I think, you know, I get the idea that in other countries they're taught. The history of that country, you know, good, good and bad. They're mm. taught a narrative. Mm. I remember looking back to my school days because that's, um, you know, whatever, fifteen, twenty years ago. But it was all, you know, you said the Romans, whatever, the Victorians, mm. the Tudors, the Cold War, which was interesting and a bit more closer to them. But, it, but mm. there's no, I don't think, in my experience, I don't think in the UK we don't really teach people to look at the past mm. in this holistic way and make sense of yeah. it. And I think that's yeah, and 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 um, and and. The, the the curriculum is very selective and the way that history is taught is very selective and so it's really important that we're the ones the, pe- the people who are interested in history and study history we're the ones who provide a little bit of context um, so that people can <clears throat> see something in, 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 in the wider in the wider context and Brexit seen in a wider context you don't get this just from history of course you also get it by reading what other mm. countries are saying about it mm, so you know you get the article that you had this this morning in the guardian where uh, a leaked telegram from the outgoing high commission british high commissioner mm. in singapore had written about the way in which brexit was perceived by his host country by singapore that's the context that you need and that is the context that is simply being ignored by the key players so you had reports that Boris Johnson, as Foreign Secretary, when presented with a briefing that mm. told him things he didn't want mm. to hear, would simply stick his fingers mm. in his ears mm. and hum the national anthem. Which is, I, mean, I, can, I can see him doing that in public. You know, that, that no, would be in private. That's quite, but I've also heard things about him from people who, who met him in a professional context. Yeah. And yeah. It doesn't, maybe yeah. it doesn't surprise me. No, I, I think, exactly. And... So it, it's bad enough that he would do something like that. What's, what's worse is that 
he that seems to be part of his brand that actually mm. lands with people. People mm. people like that. People mm. people like the whole shtick about well, mm. just not bleeding hard enough. Mm. And um, yeah, looking back at history tells us that yeah, believing hard mm. just no. believing hard isn't going to do it. No, no, indeed, <laughs> it's just not going to do it. You know, it, 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 history is about bigger things, about real things. It's not about self belief. Mm. It's about um, sometimes it's about mm. clever tactics. Mm. Most of the time, it's about economic mm. realities mm. and environmental mm. factors. These mm. are the things that yeah, really and it's count. also about how people present. You know, as I, uh, you know, I've, I've been kind of you know nitpicky a bit, and that's but it's partly because as a as a historian, you learn to kind of interrogate what you read, and you inter- particularly yeah. you interrogate what people say. And I think that I'm, I'm not saying everybody should go and study compulsory history for for, but I think you know the, the you need. I think it's in a world in which we're, you know, we're surrounded by, you know, by rhetoric, by fake news, by, by what's propaganda, by, by p- people making grand claims for which they may have no evidence. You, you need, it needs to become a reflex that you, you kind of ask yourself, what's yeah. the evidence for this? Does, yeah. Why is this person saying this? Who's, yeah. you know, who, how is it benefiting? Right. What, what is, what's the reality behind that? Yeah. It's the critical thinking. Mm. It's the pattern recognition. It's the, um, it's, it, 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 it is simply the, wisdom that comes from accumulated experience mm. so that brings us back to one of the things that we were talking about right at the beginning which is are, you know are, is it useful then to have mm. historians mm. um and I mean, you, there are different kinds of historians so i was listening yesterday to an absolutely superb speech by an american historian tim snyder oh yeah the the, the blood Badlands, Bloodlands. He yeah, he wrote. Yes, he yes. wrote a book on the Bloodlands. Yes. He's, he's written. Yeah. So his 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 expertise is in um, wartime and post-war Europe, mm. um, and he's a, a, a great advocate for the EU, and he's mm. also a, a very prominent critic of, of Trump. Mm. Um, but he's written, um, and so he's coming. From, you know, okay, so he's coming from that perspective. But the reason he's coming from that perspective is because that's where his mm. experience and studies have, have led him, and he's he's he's. I'm, what he says is surely controversial, but um, but it's also extremely persuasive, and um, I, I'm going to link to it in the in the episode notes because it was really uh, the speech he gave in Vienna for the 9th of May mm. for Europe Day was just an incredible speech about history mm. versus myth. Oh. Vienna so, of all places. That's, yes, that's, yes, exactly. Yes. And it was in the Judenplatz. It was oh, in the, really? yeah. So yeah. it was a really, and it was all about the Holocaust. Mm. It was about populism it was mm. about mm. russia about fake news about disinformation mm. about populism mm. and about um choices that europe has to make mm. and choices that we have to make and, and 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 his argument which will no doubt be controversial but his argument was europe mm. came was born of empire europe the, the the countries that created the european union did that as a response mm. to losing empire mm. it was not that and 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 the options that they faced were, well, with the loss of empire, we can go in one or two directions. We can either go down the route of Europe mm. or we can go down the route of the nation state. Mm. And his argument was the nation state didn't really exist. The nation mm. state was something that was concocted post in a post-imperial mm. situation. Now, I mean, that I can imagine is quite controversial. Mm. But... Um, Essentially, what he's saying is you've, got, you've basically got mm. two models and you have to choose mm. which. And if you choose the nation-state model, mm. that's a closed model. Yeah. That's an inward-looking model. That's, yeah. that's a populist model. Uh, the Europe is the model yeah. which can actually tackle 
global okay. challenges and mm. without that we're all fucked mm. basically is what yeah. he said so well, it's, it's certainly true i think that the i think your perspective on the nation state depends on where i mean the uk you know we, we've been okay we're, we're an island and we okay, you know our, our 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 sort of status has you know with, with obviously with, with with scotland and so on that that's we haven't been the same nation state for thousands of years but i think we if you live in the if you're from the uk you things look slightly more stable than if you say you're from germany or italy or I don't know, the Czech Republic or um, the former Yugoslavia, all those places, the border, borders are much more fluid in living memory, or they've yeah. been much more fluid in living memory than we've been, than they, they have seen from the UK. And I think that's, that's quite, that's one of the many factors that explains the difference in thinking that you get in the UK and in many European countries. Yeah, but again, that's all about perspective, isn't it? Because no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, it's so, it's yeah. so it, living memory is so mm-hmm. short. So now we've got people mm. talking about the sacrifice that they made mm. during the war, mm. but these are people who were three, three mm. years old, two mm. years old during well, the yeah, war. I mean, you, you can't account for, for stupidity. And well, but it's not But it's about yes. myth. It's yes. a it's yeah. myth. Yeah. And, and so you've yeah. got this this post war generation yeah. who yeah. are now. Uh, I yeah. mean, of course, we don't want to generalise, but there are many yeah. people from this post war generation who who are very mm. jealous of. Mm. of what they perceive as being national prerogatives and, and they dislike foreigners and mm. they dislike Europe and, and, and they mm. and but that, they but, yeah. they've co-opted the war yeah. as their own but it's not theirs yeah. they're the post-war course, generation but, but what, what I mean is that they, 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 those borders they've never seen actually under threat whereas other, yeah. other people other places you're, you're, the, the concept of National sovereignty, sov- sorry, sovereignty yeah, yeah. is, is going to be much more. Yeah. You're not so bo- you're not as bo- you're not going to be so bothered about it because you people may not be so bothered about it because they know that these this is something that has ebbed and flowed and changed yeah. in their lifetime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, listen, we are now over an hour into this extremely interesting discussion. Before we leave it. Tell, t- tell us, this is, God, I sound like Oprah. Tell, okay. tell us about your book. Okay. Well, I, as, I, as, I, as I said at the beginning, so I, so yeah, I studied uh, classics and ancient history, then I came to Brussels uh, to get away from it all. Uh, and, but then I found out that actually, you know, his, history, history was all around me. Uh, and I realised that were, there were a lot more threads linking my past life and my present life than, I, than I'd imagined there would be. Uh, so I'm, I'm writing, I've almost written a book about my, my journey in classics uh, from the UK, well, from Oxford to Brussels via France and via Romania in particular, how I read uh, authors like, you know, Homer, Virgil, Thucydides, but in particular Tacitus, the author I wrote my, my doctorate on, and how I came to sort of understand that history was something that didn't just happen to other people. Of course, it, ha- it could happen to me. Uh, and how also how reading ancient authors could help me make a bit of sense of what's going on now, in particular the rise of populism actually the populists i'm interested in are not so much the roman ones as the as the the the, the anti-roman rebels like the calgacus the scottish rebel arminius the german rebel so anyway i've written i've i'm i've nearly finished this book um if i mean if anyone's interested in uh talking about this further please let me know i mean i i uh i realized that you got a publisher uh not yet no so if any oh. anyone is interested uh please please do let me know. it's i think it's I think it's certainly an unusual take on Brexit, but then there's you know there's a there's a whole mm. Brexit genre that's uh, that's uh, that's uh, that's mushrooming. So, but it's not just about Brexit either. It's it's about there's a whole Brexit shelf at the, yes. uh, at the um, what's it what's the name of the book sh- uh, 
Shit, what's the name of the bookshop in Brussels, that big one? Um, Filigrane? Yeah, Filigrane. Yeah, Filigrane's got a whole Brexit yeah. b- bookshop. Well, I'm sure there'll be degrees on Brexit, or, or at least in, 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 in university department. I think there's one university department already on, on Brexit. Oh, God. But, uh, but this, this book, it's, also, it's quite personal. It's a memoir about, about, you know, learning who you are and, you know, growing up and coming to terms with yourself and, you know, spreading your wings and discovering the world. So, yeah, if, if, uh, it's something, there's something for everyone. So... So if there's a if there's a listener out there who um, works in publishing and is looking for the next um, J.K. Rowling, who is also who studied classics, and I think did she? Yes, that, I think that's why one, one reason why the spells um, Exeter, I think. Oh, classics in French, I think actually. Ah. A, yeah. that's why all her spells are called Latin. Exactly. But there are no wizards in my book. Maybe there should be. Maybe that would. <laughs> that would definitely. Yeah, flying off the move shelves. It up, move yeah. it up a shelf. Okay, look. Um, thanks, Katie. Look, that was such an interesting discussion. If people like this, if you're still listening and you want more, uh, we could definitely we could do this definitely, all over again. Yeah. Because that was great fun. But um, probably um, probably reaching the limit of how much we can do this for one podcast. <laughs> I think so. And we have our live week to come. So we've been a bit lazy about doing live the week because there's so many that you know. But I, 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 I thought, I thought that we ought to do one uh, this week because, because listeners, the new European Parliament is about to have its first plenary, and we've been getting a bunch of mm. newbies arriving mm. in Brussels and tweeting about it. So we've had an absolute feast of Brexit party. MEPs coming and lying their pants mm. off. Uh, it's been uh, and this is. It. I mean, I've seen these these tweets. As you, you've got the yeah the the the, the fleet of the yeah, was it yeah the fleet of Mercedes and drivers. And they're actually it's actually he, it was a Skoda. A Skoda, yeah, and it's probably not a driver anyway. And, and well, you have a you yeah. have a carpool, yeah. um, which is exactly. not unusual for. I mean, that's exactly yeah. what any parliament would have, yeah. and it's exactly exactly what you have in yeah. Westminster and Whitehall. But right. yeah, there's a there's a a fleet of Mercs. He called it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a Skoda mm. Superb. Mm. Uh, lovely car. I've got a Skoda, so I'm a great fan. But um, very nice of them to upgrade it to a, to a Mercedes. Thanks, thanks, Lance. So that's Lance Foreman, Brexit MEP and businessman who owns lots of um, smoked salmon. Mm. I saw that. Uh, smoked salmon oh, business. So yeah, watch out. Make sure you never eat Lance Foreman smoked Go salmon. Go to Little instead. It'll be yeah. better and cheaper as well. Probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, Foreman also was the chump who sat down yeah. in front of his voting machine, mm. tried pressing the no button yeah. when there wasn't even a vote on, uh, and said, oh, look, it won't let you me vote no, therefore yeah. the EU is corrupt and anti-democratic, it won't register a no vote. Which, of course, which is such an obvious patent well, lie. I mean, I he mean, wasn't... I mean, the screen literally yeah. said, insert your card. Yeah. I mean, what do they think? Anybody could just walk in and press a button and vote... Yeah. Obviously, you have to yeah. pr- present your, M- your yeah. MEP card, yeah. put it in the slot in order to be able to vote, and the vote yeah. has to be happening. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, your vote won't be registered. Yeah. So it was, it's a fairly obviously transparent think, bit it. of I, fake I news, wasn't when it? When I saw these, I, I, is it, there's an ex- expression, you know, that by the time uh, the, tr- the truth gets its shoes on, the, the lie is halfway around yeah. the world. I, yeah. I, I'm sure yeah. they knew that these oh, were yeah. lies, but you know, the, it just, oh, yeah, they yeah. just did it for the... For for the clicks, yeah, it's the Bannon playbook. It was straight it's, out of the Bannon playbook. So it was yeah. that's, but that's so it is. And yeah. of course, the, our our collective outrage mm. only only multiplied mm. the, sto- the, the 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 story and went out there further and adds to the whole atmosphere mm. of 
polarization and, and of course will have remained and yeah. say that it's a lie it must be true you know so mm-hmm. it, it, I mean well here we are doing it for them but you know. and this is the parliament paradox <clears> that the European democracy admits admits uh, representatives elected representatives who uh, are there to work against mm. European democracy mm. I mean, this is the problem that the parliament has mm. had mm. and will continue to have yeah. and that's just that's just the way it is unfortunately that's just the way it is and and you know the the the, the rank hypocrisy of these people turning up in Brussels moaning about how mm. Brussels is anti-democratic and elitist mm. and uh, and yet at the same time they're there rolling around in their mm. you know in their fleet of mercs stroke Skodas and trying to work mm. out how the voting machines function mm. having been mm. elected to those posts I mean it's 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 pretty sickening uh, what else did we have? We had, um, yeah, James Wells, another MEP, a Brexit Brexit Party MEP, um, tweeted uh, his shock at <laughs> arriving in Brussels and being told that he would be getting an allowance for an office. And not only that, but he mm. would be given a staff allowance mm. and his staff would have an office mm. and he'd have a constituency office. Mm. He couldn't believe this. Mm. All at the expense of the British taxpayer. Mm. Well, firstly... No, no, James. It's not the expense of the British taxpayer. It's the expense of the European taxpayer. And also, show me, mm. show me a parliament that doesn't cost any money. Mm. Show me, show me a democracy mm. that doesn't involve an outlay of resources. Mm. Um, you want, you yeah. want a parliament where people don't work, mm. have offices and work, mm. or mm. they don't have staff to, to mm. you know. I mean, come on, you know. Mm. So this, this is. It's the popularists, you know. Yes, they, yeah. you know it's, they're just, but you know, they're the they're the every man, the every, you yeah. know, the every people who just just they they you know they they're the the com- yeah they're, they're the common folk who've somehow ended up in Parliament. So this obviously this surprise is all part of the if it's actually a professional operation is all is all part they're of the. Not though, are they? Of course, I mean they're all yeah. they're all bloody yeah, but that's yeah, that's the, but you know they're popularists. Yeah. They're like you know Caesar and, and Claudius, yes, exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, Richard Tice, speaking of Crassus, people as rich as Crassus. So Richard Tice rocks up in Brussels um, and tells a story of a Brexiteer Italian mm. taxi driver mm. that he met mm. who drove him from the station and told him that Jean-Claude Juncker is a drunk who has a bottle mm. of whiskey in his car. Well, <laughs> as it ha- firstly, how the fuck would this mm. bloody taxi driver know that? Mm. Unless he's moonlighting mm. as a driver in the commissioned carpool, mm. which I doubt. Mm. Unlikely. Yeah. Uh, secondly, an Italian taxi driver? Um, maybe. But I mean, uh, if he was an maybe. Italian immigrant, you know, of a family, you know, actually. If, I you haven't know, seen you know, many. I mean, he, well, you know, maybe in a, a Belgian Italian. Maybe yeah, Richard Tice possibly. can't conceive of someone who might, whose family might have moved from one country to another, but actually. Yeah. It's, uh, but thirdly, you know, Brexiteer? Mm. Maybe he yeah. means Eurosceptic and he yeah. simply conflates the two. Yeah. Well, you know, a Eurosceptic yeah. taxi driver. Well, what are the chances yeah. of finding a Eurosceptic <laughs> taxi driver? I mean, I'm sure you couldn't find any of them anywhere. He just happened to say what, yeah. exactly what, what Richard Tice wanted him to yeah. say. Yeah. No, anyway, the whole thing smells mm. of. Mm. Lance Foreman's preserved fish. But. Mm. There you go. There, there's there's four lovely um, lies of the week. Casey, mm. thank you so much for coming, um, drinking wine with me, um, digesting pasta, and talking about interesting ancient history. Thank I've you for really inviting me. Enjoyed my nerd out with you. I hope hope it's been interesting no it's been great it's, it's, yeah. well I, ho- I hope so too we'll, we'll know when we look at the download <laughs> figures I guess um, but yeah it's been uh, it's been great but let's wrap it up um, thank you very much Katie thanks for listening and goodbye we're going up we're going up we're going up the wrong way we're going up the wrong way we're going to have to stop
Oh